Well, good morning. Good to see you all here again today. Um, have the privilege of speaking today as our pastor John is out of town. And uh, I, I wanted to let you know, I know I'm, I've only been here about six months, but our family has really enjoyed getting to know you. And, uh, and just we are really enjoying being a part of Mountain View Community Church. So I want to say thank you for welcoming us. And I still feel like I'm kind of new, but I'm starting to feel like I'm part of the family, like I could kick my shoes off a little bit, and that would be okay, you know what I mean? So um, thank you for for your your kindness to us and our family. We really feel uh, like we're welcome here. Um, Now, in saying that, I'm going to say this message is going to come right at you today, okay? (laughs) So now the nice stuff is over, and I, I, I feel like I need to warn you a little bit because you don't know me that well, and I've only spoken here a few times, but I do want to say that um, when I speak, I'm preaching not just to you, I'm preaching to myself, okay? I want you to know that. Not all, I don't know if all preachers could say that, probably most of them could, but I'm really preaching to myself too. So when I'm saying these things, even though they may be hard to hear, please know that I'm saying them to myself as much as I'm saying them to you, all right? So we're starting this new series called Cultivating Thankfulness, and as you came in the door today, you should have received uh, a little journal. It, I don't know, I, the first service I had it all dialed in. I don't know if we have any second service. We have a stack of those ushers. Do we have a stack of those anywhere? Um, we do. Okay. So if for some reason we missed you coming in the door, I would really love to get this into your hands because I think, uh, I, here's the deal. It's going to go beyond Sunday, okay? We're getting into Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we as a leadership here at Mountain View, we want to prepare our hearts for what's coming. And so this is a part of that. And it's about Thanksgiving. So if you did not receive one of those journals, could you lift your hand real quickly? We want to make sure everybody in the house gets one, okay? We've got one for every single person. You don't have to share with anyone. This is just about you, okay? So we have some guys over here. Why didn't you guys raise your hand the first service? Shame on you. You were here. Okay. We'll forgive you. Okay, so just keep your hand up until someone comes around and and gives one to you. I appreciate it. are we good, guys? Yeah, over here. There's a few over here. Thank you. Can we give it up for our ushers this morning? They are on it, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to jump into the message this morning. It's about cultivating thankfulness. That's the series. It's two weeks. And today we're going to talk about how we need to be the one. Be the one. There was a Boston College consultant that was speaking to a group of college students and recently graduated students. And he was sharing with them about the workplace. He said, Students, I want you to know there is one word that people in uh, CEOs and different people in the business world are saying about you. They're describing you with one word, and it starts with the letter E. What do you think that word is? And all of that, oh, no, don't speak up yet. No, no, hold on. <laughs> you, you blew the punchline, all right? <laughs> and so all these students were saying, energetic, you know, excellent, um, entrepreneurial, all these things. And this, the guy says, no, that's not the E word they're using to describe you. They're using the word, thank you. Okay, and then you had it. Just going back to you again. <laughs> entitled. In fact, the millennial generation has been labeled the entitled generation. Everyone owes us. We deserve more. Now, before you old folks, and I'll put myself in there, start to say, that's right. Take that, you younger generation. Listen to that guy speak. Listen, we need to realize that we have created by our actions and attitudes 
a generation that feels entitled in some ways. How did we do that? Well, first of all, if you look at the generations, you see that those a little bit older than myself worked way too much. There was a lot of divorce, and they loved their kids, and so they tried to make up for their lack of time by not saying no. And so this younger generation received a lot from their parents, and if they, they got this idea that, hey, if we want it, we can have it. And then we protected this generation too much, I think. I mean, when I was a kid, you could ride in the back of your pickup with 18 of your friends, and that was like, okay, right? Run around town. And now, like, you have to, 43 buckles later, you're all sealed in, ready to go. We protected this generation. And, and, and we can't even ride a bicycle without a helmet. I mean, that's just, it's crazy to think about that. I mean, when we were kids, we were riding bikes everywhere. We didn't need helmets. We didn't know what that was, right? We want to protect this upcoming generation. When I was a kid, you had to actually win something to get a trophy. Now I know it's been talked about a lot. But, I mean, what is that? I mean, remember that? Now all you have to do is show up. Hey, Johnny, good job. You were the slowest guy in the race today. You got last place. Here's a trophy, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're we're rewarding all kinds of things that aren't supposed to be rewarded. And we've created a generation that feels entitled. And it's not just them. It's me, too. Now, just this week, I was looking at Black Friday ads. I have a confession, okay? And I'm just thinking, okay, what's out there? What's new? What's, What's a good deal? I'm not a big Black Friday shopper, but I was just curious. So I was looking at Best Buy and, you know, Walmart and all these things, thinking, man, is there a good deal out there? And as I'm looking at these ads, I'm thinking, man, my iPad is really slow. I mean, it takes me like four or five seconds to load YouTube. I mean, maybe, maybe I should get a new iPad. And I'm looking at my TV, sitting on the couch, thinking, man, my TV is kind of small. And man, I can get a 65-inch for like 500 bucks. This is amazing. It's like, maybe I should get a new TV. And again, as I looked at this ad, I continued to think of things that I needed or I wanted. And that's kind of how we are in this generation. But we just look and see, hey, we want this. Let's go get it. Uh, we, and we're, we so take for granted. Like, we can order something on our phones or our iPads. And two days later, whatever we want, two days later, it shows up at our doorstep, right? Amazon Prime, baby. It's like awesome. Well, what do we do without Amazon Prime? And... Not only that, but we can order pizzas, we can do whatever we want, and it's going to show up in 30 minutes from Jimmy's right here, right now, okay? I'm not getting paid for that promotional uh, advertisement. But this is, our, this is our world, right? And So what does that lend to? It lends to this entitlement. And what is the opposite of entitlement? Gratitude. Gratitude. In Luke chapter 17, we read a story about some people who seemed entitled, and they didn't stop to show gratitude. Now, I want to apologize this morning because I, I really blew it. We have no PowerPoint today. And so if you have your Bibles, this is a great time to use your Bible. We don't have anything on the screen for you today. And it's my fault. It's not these guys' fault. They're doing an awesome job. I have a little USB drive. It's about that big. And you, you know how you put those in and you pull them out and you get the USB drive, right? So it's, I also have a mouse receiver that looks exactly like my USB drive. And so... <laughs> I put my USB drive in, loaded it up, I pulled my mouse receiver out and handed it to the tech people and they're like, what is this? <laughs> this is not the PowerPoint. So anyway, we have no PowerPoint today, I apologize. But you have the journal, you have notes there, you can see where we're at. 
Uh, you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. You can open your, your app, your Bible app, whatever you want to do. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Ten guys. Now, leprosy was a horrible disease. Uh, They had oozing sores all over their bodies. It affected their nerve endings. It was very painful. And they could literally go to sleep at night uh, with these sores and wake up and notice as they woke up, like a rat had gnawed off one of their fingers. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting, okay? It's really gross. And that wasn't the worst part, okay? According to Leviticus chapter 13, whenever anyone that got close to a leper, the leper was required by law to yell out, unclean, unclean. So people would go around them so they would not come in contact with someone who had leprosy. And so it was humiliating. I mean, not only was it you know, relationally, physically hurting them, but they had incredible emotional pain because they had a lack of relationships. They had to be away from their families. They had no contact, no intimacy. They could go years without having a single hug. And so 10 lepers across the street see Jesus. This is the guy who is rumored to be healing people of diseases. And so they're thinking, this is our shot. Can you imagine how excited they were? And so they yelled out, Jesus, help us. We need you. Help us. This could be the greatest moment of their lives right now. If they could be healed, their lives could be changed forever. Now look at verse 14. When Jesus saw them, when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Think about that. As they went, they're going to the priests. And all of a sudden, they can see the sores are disappearing. That that white leprosy is disappearing, and they're, they're rejoicing. They're, they're shouting. They're, they're probably doing cartwheels. They're excited that this miracle is taking place. Their greatest dream fulfilled. Their boldest prayer has been answered. And what did they do after that? Verse 15. It's pretty surprising. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Wait, wait. Did you? Sometimes we just read the Bible, and we just kind of gloss over it. But did you hear what was said there? How many of them? One of them. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus was shocked. I mean, think about Jesus. He's like, you guys were begging. Your life was basically nothing, and you were going to live out your days as an outcast. And then I was sent from God, and I gave you this beautiful miracle, the miracle of all miracles for you. And what did you do? You you did not come back to praise the person and thank the person who did this for you? Now, I don't think those other nine guys were bad guys, really. I mean, think about it. They probably just wanted to get back to their families. They wanted to go and show themselves to the community again and hug their kids and kiss their wife and all that stuff. And so they're probably not bad people, but it was almost like they slipped into a little bit of this entitlement. Like, you know, I didn't really deserve to have this disease. I'm glad it's gone. 
You know, I don't know what their thinking is, but here's what I do know. Only one leper stopped to thank Jesus for what he did. Will you be the one? That's my question to you today. Will you be the one? The odds are against you. Will you be the one that stops daily to give glory and honor to God, the one who gave you life? Will you be the one to give glory to the one when you were a sinner and you could not do what Jesus did for you? He did it for you and you couldn't do it yourself. Will you give thanks to him? Will you be the one that stops long enough to write a thank you note, to express your appreciation to someone who's impacted your life? Will you be the one today to say to those who are ministering to your children in the children's area, thank you for investing in my kids. Thank you for serving our family. Will you be the one to stop and thank a coach, a teacher, a leader, your mom, your dad? Will you be the one to stop and show gratitude? Or will you be like most people and think, yeah, I've got it coming to me. Or we take people for granted. I think it's time that we stop, that we stop having an ungrateful mindset, and that we really continue to live with this gratitude. You may say, you know, I think I'm a pretty grateful person. You know, I mean, I'm not perfect, but, you know, that's what I thought too. Until I really started to examine my own heart, realize that I'm ungrateful in a lot of ways. And I see two ungrateful mindsets that I want to talk about today. So if you have your notes, you have your journal, it's in there, the notes are there. Two ungrateful mindsets, and I'm going to talk about two of those today. The first one is this mindset of, I want it now. Come on, say that with me. I want it. Say it one more time. I want it now. You sound really entitled. (laughs) You know, all of us have been there. We're hungry. We don't have a lot of time. So what do we do? We go to a fast food restaurant, fast food, and we're already running late. We're getting in line, and it's long because they happen to be training someone at the register, and so we're like, oh, man. So we wait, 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 and we finally get up to the line. All right, here's what I want. My cheeseburger, fries, Coke. I need it to go. I'm in a hurry. I got to go. So we're waiting. We sit down. We're waiting. We're waiting. The food's taking longer than we expected. Ten minutes have passed since we walked into the store. Ten minutes. This is supposed to be fast food, right? We came here not because we like the food, because we're in a hurry. So we need it now. We want it now. I want it now. That's kind of a mindset that a lot of us have in, our, in, in other ways, too. We want it now. It's the same attitude that the prodigal son had. So if you're in Luke chapter 17, turn back two chapters to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read a brief synopsis of the prodigal son because it shows this entitled mindset that many of us struggle with. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Give me, give me, right? Give me, give me, give me. (laughs) Give me my share. Now, traditionally, someone has to die before you receive your inheritance. But that's not the way this guy rolls. He wants it now, right? And so he's like, I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to live by your rules anymore, Dad. I don't want to wait what's coming to me. I get it now. I want it now. So the father gives it to the son. 
and he goes out and he wastes it all. He squanders it. He hires women. He throws a big kager. He lives wildlife. And then he realizes he squandered everything. His father took years to accumulate in a matter of weeks or months. And this upcoming generation, in a lot of ways, has this kind of I want it now mindset. There are people in their 20s who feel like they deserve to live at the same standards that their parents are living at right now. They want the same kind of home, the same kind of car, the same kind of vacations, and it's, it's not good. Where did they learn it from? Their parents who thought, if I want it now, I'm going to get it now. And my grandpa, or my grandpa's dad maybe, had this mindset. And I know it's really foreign to us. You might not have heard of it, but they believe this silly thing that if you wanted something, you had to save up to buy it. You ever heard of this before? It's a crazy concept, right? I mean, if you want to, to buy something, you have to save the money in order to purchase it. Now, somebody's saying, well, just use the card, man. Put it on the card. Yeah, and pay 29% interest for the rest of your life. Go ahead, right? No, they didn't do that. They did something called waiting. They waited. What does waiting mean? Waiting means you don't get it now. And every generation trains the next generation. And if you're in debt, the chances are you've had this mindset. I've been there. If you're spending more than you have and you're buying more than you need, perhaps you need to examine your heart today. Perhaps you have an entitled mindset. I want it now. Number two, another entitled mindset, ungrateful mindset. I deserve more. So the prodigal son had this, I want it now, right? The, the elder boy, the oldest boy in the family, I deserve more. This was the older brother. So the young guy goes and blows off the inheritance, and then one day he wakes up and says, man, that was awfully dumb. I got nothing now. What am I going to do now? So he goes back to his father, and he begs, says, God, Father, please, just, just let me just be a servant in your house. And what happens? We have the heavenly father, who's the picture of this father in the story, waiting at the gates. And when he sees his son come back home, even after what he did, he embraces him. He hugs him. He says, my son is home. He tells everybody. And he throws a party. He says, kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. Put a robe on his back. My son, who was lost, now is found. We are having steak tonight, baby. I mean, we are going to throw a party. And the older brother, who was there the whole time, working for his father faithfully, starts to have a pity party. He's outside, and he's thinking, wait a minute. I've never broken any of these rules before. Nobody did that for me. I deserve more. I deserve more. So look at what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 29. The elder brother says, look. All these years, I've been slaving for you. He's talking to his father. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Can you hear it in his voice? I deserve more. Someone owes me, Dad. I deserve a better paying job. I can't get one, then I won't work. I'd rather do nothing if I can't get a job. I deserve. I deserve benefits. I deserve a vacation. I deserve. Today we've got 11-year-olds who are complaining, and I hear them sometimes in wherever I'm at, fast food restaurants, <laughs> complaining about their phones. Oh, Dad, 
I want the new iPhone. This iPhone's old. It's like the iPhone 7. It's so old, so slow. Man, it only has one camera lens. I want the one with like five camera lenses on the back, you know? It's like, I don't even have portrait mode, Dad. 11-year-olds, I deserve more. Ungrateful mindsets. One out of 10 said thank you. One out of 10. So we have these mindsets, and they're, they come in different areas of our lives. It's not just material things, okay? But I want to start there. Let's talk about how we can expose the ungratefulness in our lives so that we can become more grateful. And the first one we need to look at this morning is material or financial ungratefulness. That's number one, and under exposing ungratefulness. Material or financial ungratefulness. My TV is not big enough. We don't have the right kind of countertops. Now, if we have another kid, honey, we need a larger house because that means one of our, our kids would have to share a room, and you can't raise a godly child if they have to share a room. So we need a bigger house. It's just not right, you know? Have you ever looked at your closet full of clothes? Come on, help me out. And you said, you opened the closet and you said, I have what? Nothing to wear. Nothing to wear. A closet full of clothes. Not just the ladies, the guys. We probably do that too sometimes. Nothing to wear. And here's the funny thing about that. Who picked out all those clothes? You did, right? You did. <laughs> so we're saying in this whole closet, I don't have anything that I like out of all these clothes. And I've actually been to places where people don't have any clothes to wear. They have the clothes on their back, and that is it. And yet in my closet full of clothes, I've got nothing to wear because I don't like my clothes, or I don't like my car. Man, my car is like five years old. I don't have heated seats. I don't have Apple CarPlay and all that. I mean, I, I can't even talk to my car. It won't listen to me. It's a dumb car. I'm going to go in debt so I can talk to my car and it'll listen to me. So I'm going to go buy a new car. You know, when I was in high school, what was it? It wasn't talking to our cars. That wasn't even fathomable for us. We just wanted cars that had those buttons. You push the button and your window goes down. <laughs> because we were doing this, right? Anybody that's under like 30, you know what that means? It means the window is going down. I'm cranking window down. You know what's so funny about that is when I was a youth pastor, um, I had one of those cars that, that cranked, or I saw one of those cars, and I'm like, isn't, uh, yeah, this is, reminds me when I kind of car used that. He's like, and one of my youth were like, whoa, that's really cool. Is that new? <laughs> no, it's not new. This is new. I want one of those. I wish I had more money or a better job. I wish I could provide more for my kids. I wish we could take better vacations. If that's you, if you're saying those things, if you're thinking those things a lot, perhaps you might be struggling with a material or financial ungratefulness. Number two is relational ungratefulness. I know that most of the youth went to high school. This would have been a good one for them to stay in for. Young people, are you tired of your parents being in your business? My kids are the only youth in here. I promise I didn't make them stay. They chose to stay. They could have gone to Sunday school. Maybe they should have today. My parents don't, whatever, fill in the blank. They don't understand. They don't do this. They don't do that. 
Or maybe it's your husband. I wish my husband made more money. I wish my husband was a better spiritual leader. I wish he could fix things around the house. He's just not fill in the blank. I wish my wife was more fun. I wish she was more involved at home. I wish she wasn't always with her friends. I wish she would make more food around the house. I wish she had a better paying job, whatever it is. My wife is just not. I wish I had a girlfriend or a boyfriend like everybody else. I wish my boyfriend had a job. (laughs) My friends aren't whatever. I don't have good Christian friends. Are you relationally ungrateful? My mom used to say this phrase when we were growing up, and we always knew when mom said this phrase, she was not feeling appreciated. Okay, how many know that moms are like some of the most underappreciated people in the world? And the mom said, okay, would have been a little bit stronger, but I'm, okay, I, I feel a little bit. Yeah, and so we just take them for granted, right? And a lot of moms say they have to work a job, and then they have to come home and do everything around the house as well. That's a lot, right? I mean, guys, we're out there working hard too. I'm not saying that you know, we're not doing anything, but man, man moms, we, we, we don't appreciate you. We take you for granted. So I did too. As a teenager, I took my mom for granted. My mom was working outside the home full time, and she was coming home to make dinner for us. Every single night, there was dinner on the table. We didn't go out to eat very much. And she worked very hard doing the laundry and all these things. And, and when, when she got to a boiling point, she would always say this phrase, man, I, I feel like chopped liver around here. Like, chopped liver? What is that? It doesn't sound very appetizing. Why, why do you feel like chopped liver, mom? Because no one appreciates me. Oh, okay, that's what that means. I feel like chopped liver. Maybe today we should stop making people feel like chopped liver. If we have an ungrateful mindset in our relationships, we can overcome that. Let's have gratitude in our relationships. How about number three? Let's wrap up here. Number three, circumstantial ungratefulness. Circumstantial ungratefulness. I don't like my job. I don't like my house. I don't like my car. I don't like my hair. I don't like my lack of hair. Can we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? One of the things that I so appreciate, I've been a coach for many, many years, sports, baseball, and soccer, and I've coached my kids and since they were very little all the way up to uh, almost like into high school. And um, there are a few kids along the way that would come up to me after practices or game and shake my hand and say, Thank you, coach. There's one kid on my team, one kid. I've coached him. Now, this was my second year I had him, so I've coached him for two years. Every single practice, every single game, every time we're on the field, after we're done, he comes up and shakes my hands and says, thank you, coach. Oh, I mean, it's like it makes you want to keep doing it, right? You know, if you're a coach, you know how much that means. I mean, if you're a mom or a dad, can you imagine? Like, if your teenager comes and hugs you and says, thank you, mom, I appreciate you. I mean, moms would, like, melt in the kitchen right there. I mean, they just turn to butter all. No wonder, then they'll say, what do you want? I'll buy you anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> but gratefulness, right? And sometimes 
we have this entitled mindset. And here's what we need to do, friends. We need to turn our blessings into praise. Turn our blessings into praise. Let's make a decision that every blessing that God gives us, we're going to turn it into praise. Just like that song I'm going to have the worship team sing in just a moment. Every blessing you pour out, what's the rest? Turn back to praise, right? Turn it back to praise. Every blessing that I don't turn back into praise turns into pride. Every blessing that I don't turn back to praise turns into pride. I deserve it. I had it coming. I'm worthy of this. I want it now. I deserved it. It's pride. It's entitlement. Every blessing, every good thing we have, we should declare to God, God, you're the giver of all good things. I'm going to pause right now, and I'm going to thank you. I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Whatever the circumstance, if I'm healthy, if I'm not, if I've got money, if I don't, if I like my job, if I don't, if I've got a lot of hair, if I don't have a lot of hair, let's learn the secret of being content in every situation. This is what Paul said. We can do all things. It's a mindset. We train our minds. We train our hearts. We train our attitudes and our spirits. We can do anything through Christ who gives us strength. But most of us, by nature, are not grateful people. We are sinners, right? We're not content. In that journal, there's different things you can look up. Scriptures, a little additional study. But there's also... For the next two weeks, there's a place every day where you can write something down that you're thankful for. It starts tomorrow, Monday through Sunday. There it is. It's all there. And I just encourage you to do that. It's like a gratitude journal. You know what? It's going to make a big difference. It's made a big difference in my life when I've stopped to give thanks. But man, I still blow it. My kids were getting up early. When my son started high school, zero period and early, and, and uh, my son was having a hard time hearing his alarm. I wasn't having a hard time hearing his alarm, but he was having a hard time hearing it. And it was going off at 5 a.m. Now, I'm not a morning person. I don't get up at 5 and go to work at 5. That's not me. And so um, I was not feeling very grateful in those moments. And I had to get out of my nice warm bed at 5 a.m. to go turn my son's alarm off. If only he would have looked up for a moment and saw his dad, he would have not been happy to see me in that moment. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm laying in my bed, I'm stirring, I'm stirring, I'm stirring, and I'm just, I've, I have no thankfulness in that moment. By nature, I'm dissatisfied. I'm a complainer. I've learned, though, to train my mind. And so in those moments, I just realized, okay, after it happened a few times, it's like, okay, God, I'm thankful that my son is alive, he's healthy. Even though he can't hear in this moment, Lord, help his hearing. <laughs> I know other parents have had this problem. In fact, I said this in the first service, and uh, uh, somebody came up to me and said, I have the solution for you. It's called the, what is it, the sonic boom alarm clock? What was it? Something like that. 
a sonic bomb. It sounded pretty violent to me, but I, I'm ready for whatever it takes. <laughs> the sonic bomb. It's literally, you put, I, I sh- probably shouldn't talk about this, you put it underneath your bed, and it vibrates your bed, and then the, the alarm is like incredibly loud. It will probably wake the neighbors up next door. But it could work. Just pray for me. No. He's gotten better. Actually, it's not, it's not happening anymore. But man, in those moments, I was mad. Man, I was ungrateful. It's like, ugh. And it's hard in those times to be grateful because I'm, I'm dissatisfied. I'm a complainer. I'm, but I've learned to train my mind. I'm learning the secret of being content. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better what God has put before you than hoping for something more or different. Proverbs 15, 15 says, The cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth and turmoil. Sometimes I'm thankful for my car with all the scratches on it because I can park it right next to somebody and I don't care if they ding it. Go ahead. Be my guest. I, have, I don't care. It gets me from point A to point B. I'm not saying having a great car is bad, okay? Don't take that wrong. But the next time you say, I'm sick of my car, instead, get a different perspective. Say, I thank God that I have a car. I'm, I'm, I'm like 1% to 3 to 5% of the wealthiest people in the world because I own a vehicle. My house is always a mess. Or, God, I thank you that I'm blessed with the family and friends that come in and enjoy this house. My house is too small. Or, God, I thank you that I've got a toilet and an air conditioning, probably a heater, and I've got running water, and I'm so thankful for the blessings you've given me. I don't like my job and the people that I work with. Or, God, I'm thankful in a world where so many people are searching for work that I've got a job. I don't like this about my body. Or, God, thanks that I'm healthy and I have this day. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for material things. But most importantly, thank you that you gave your life on the cross, that you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin. When I couldn't do anything to deserve heaven, when I didn't do anything, God, I was a sinner. You died for me. You did something I couldn't do for myself. And I don't deserve it, but thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for transforming me. Thank you for making me into a better person for making you me in your image. Thank you, God, for all the things you do for me and the blessings you've given me. We bow our heads and pray this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Lord, there's nothing that we can do that would make you love us more. And there's nothing that we can do to make you love us less. You love us unconditionally. So, Lord, we start there today, and we say thank you for your love. Thank you for giving your life for us. When we were still sinners, you died for us so that we could be free from our sin, so we could be free from our guilt and our shame, so we could have a place in heaven, eternal life, paid for. We don't deserve it, Lord. It's your grace. We can't say thank you enough. Lord, I pray for all of us today, and myself included, for the, as we struggle with these ungrateful mindsets. I want it now. I deserve more. 
Help us to be thankful for what we do have, especially in this season as we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're reminded of our blessings and where our blessings come from. And maybe today there are some of us here that are struggling with a myriad of issues and all they're seeing is the difficulty in front of them. All they're seeing is the pain. All they're seeing is the struggle. Lord, help them to find a place of contentment. Whether they have little or much, help them to find contentment, Lord. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed be your name. When the sun's shining or it's raining, blessed be your name. When I have much or when I have little, blessed be your name. God is worthy of our praise despite our circumstances, despite our wealth or our poverty. We des- he deserves the praise. I want to do this with you before we go this morning. And uh, this is just a, as a physical act of just saying, God, everything I have, I recognize today it belongs to you. And I want to offer it to you today. And help me to be a good steward of the things you've given me. Help me to be grateful. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands and just put them out like this, okay? And this, this represents everything in your life. Your family, your friends, all your material things, everything we have right here. We're going to offer it to the Lord today and say, God, take it. Help me to be grateful for the things you've blessed me with today. Jesus, help us today as we lift our hands in this posture as a way of saying, God, We recognize today that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And today we offer it to you, Lord. We know that it belongs to you because you gave it to us. But Lord, we want to be good stewards of it. Thank you for the blessings you've given us. Thank you for the things that we have, that we we appreciate, the comforts that we have. There's so many things that you've blessed us with, Lord. The relationships, the family, the friends. God, all these things we've talked about today, we offer it to you. We We want to remind ourselves today by doing this that, Lord, every good and perfect gift comes from you. So help us now to be thankful and grateful every day for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. So glad you were here today. Have a wonderful week. Hopefully use those journals during this week and continue to keep this in your thoughts and prayers today.